This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Wow. So uh, I was looking at my calendar the other day and I realized it's been five weeks since I preached up here in this in this building. And I was like, man, I've been helping out in the youth group and stuff, but I don't think I've ever gone that long. So uh, I'm excited to be preaching tonight. I'm excited because God's put a word on my heart that I know is for you people that are here. And uh, and God's going to he's going to exhort you. He's going to lift you up tonight and he wants he wants to get something through to you, but you've got to hear it. You know like Jesus said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Well, I mean, the majority of the population has ears, right? I mean, they they've got these flappers on the side of their head. So, everybody's got physical ears, but he wasn't talking about those. He was talking about if you've got a spiritual ear, if you will actually listen to what God's saying, that's who he's talking to. He said, if you if you're if you're open to listening with your spirit and hearing the word of God, your life will get changed. And I'm telling you that God wants to speak something to you tonight because he put he put something heavy on my heart uh, to share with you. So I want to dig right into this. And I believe that 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 God's going to build some people up tonight that need to hear it. So the title is this. The title is surrounded, surrounded. We're talking about you're surrounded on every side. Now, your viewpoint, your outlook on life has a whole lot to do with the outcome of your life. Because I have seen time and time again so many people that maybe even be in the exact same situation as the guy next to them, but they have two totally different outlooks. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the, the, the little kid horse story. Some of you have heard this, but... But this college is wanting to do some research on these two little boys because uh, they want to see, well, well, this one little guy is always so positive and always has such an upbeat outlook. And this other kid, he's in the exact same, you know, economic status, the exact same uh, status of life, but he's always so negative about everything. So what they did was they took this little boy that was always negative, a pessimist. Some of you work with people like that. Can I get an amen? As, you know, maybe you're related to him. I don't know. Maybe you live in the same house. But, but there's pessimists in this world that no matter what you do, they're never going to be happy. So they took the pessimistic boy and they put him in a room full of video games, toys, candy, ice cream, everything that a 10-year-old little boy could possibly want. They put it in this room and they put him in there and locked the door. Then they put the kid that's always upbeat, always just happy-go-lucky, they put him in a room filled halfway up with nothing but horse manure, horse poop. And, and, and so they're like, well, let's just leave the boys in there for a while, and, and, you know, we'll go check and see how they respond to their environment. And so they go back, and they, they get the little boy that was in the room of perfection, the video games, the candy, the, you know, every little thing that the little boy could possibly want. And they're like, so how was your experience? And he's like, it was awful. There was, I couldn't decide what to do with myself. There was just way too much candy. The, 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 the TV, with the, high, the definition was too high. It was too HD. The, 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 the video games, they had every game I like. And, and it was miserable. I hated being in that room. And they're like, 
okay, well, if they went that bad, let's go check on horse poop boy. So they go in the room with the boy full of the room, full of horse manure. They open the door, and he jumps out of the horse manure and says, Woohoo! What is going on? What's up with this kid? He said, they were like, what's going on? You're in a room full of horse poop. He says, that's right. If there's this much poop, that means somewhere in this room there has to be a pony, and I'm going to find him. And so I'm telling you, what's your outlook on life? Because chances are you're in the same boat as the rest of us, yet some people choose to see opportunity. Some people choose to see, man, life's pretty good. I've got it really good. And yet the other person that maybe is in the same boat or in much better circumstances, all they see is the negative. And so we're talking tonight about being surrounded, but I'm going to ask, what is your outlook, what's your viewpoint on life? And so surrounded, number one, I'm going to ask, what's your view? Surrounded by enemies, number one. Or what's your outlook? Do you look around and say, oh my gosh, I've got enemies on every side of me. I've got dead over here. I've got health over here. I hate my job. I hate the people over here. Everything is bad. I am surrounded on every side by enemies. Well, I want to show you a few verses here. Let's, let's look over here at Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Who's glad they came to church tonight? Amen. You picked a good night. You picked a good night to be in the house of the Lord. Let's look at at Psalm 22. And I'm going to look at verse 12 because King David could relate. And I will admit that there are times that, yeah, you are surrounded by enemies on every side. We know that we have an enemy in the devil and that he roars around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But... That doesn't keep me awake at night. I go to sleep. I sleep great. Psalm 22 and verse 12. Now, now here's King David, and he was in a bad situation. Psalm 22 and verse 12, he said this, My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. And so David said, man, the bulls are around, and they are circling. They're closing in on me. And how many people, you can relate to that. There have been times that, yeah, it's all been coming in. And then look down here at verse 16. He says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Now, David wrote this chapter, and it became a, a, a prophetical chapter prophesying the crucifixion of Jesus. And you can read the whole thing and you can see, oh my gosh, this is this stuff happened to Jesus. This became prophecy uh, from what happened to Jesus. But David was right. He was in a situation where he was surrounded by enemies on every side. And I can tell you that I have felt that way before. I have felt like, man, where's it? What, what angle can they hit me from next? They've already got me from the north, south, east and west. Where's it coming from next? And it seems like there are seasons of life, whether you want them or not, whether you're believing for it, whether you're saying it or not, there seems to be seasons where the enemies are surrounding you on every single side. And it seems like one thing after another comes against you. I, I mean, I don't, I don't look that far back to 2018, and that seemed like one of those years for me. And for my family, man, you know, it, it seemed like on January the 2nd, 
you know, we get the phone call from the doctor, and she could have told us much earlier because she had the results. But she, she tells on January 2nd that, oh, oh yeah, by the way, I was meaning to tell you guys, your dad has stage 4 cancer. Thanks, you could have mentioned that just, you know, a while back when you found out. You know, and, and, then it, and then it seemed like this happened and that happened and Grandma died. She was 95, but I wanted her to make it to 100. And, you know, it seemed like all this stuff kept happening. Then people that I trusted and thought were mature Christians ran off into the stupidest evil sins that I've seen in my whole life. And I'm like, my gosh, what is going on here? What's going on? And, 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 and as I look back at it, it was my response and your response and our response from the word of God that caused all those things to work out into our favor. But listen to me, what I'm trying to I'm not trying to be negative because I'm going to get to the gravy here in a few minutes. I'm going to pour it on thick. But what I'm telling you right now is this is that, yeah, we've all been in those situations where the enemy is surrounding you on every single side. Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter four. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that's right, stirring that gravy, it's coming, I'm getting ready to slop that on your taters in just a minute, man, we're going to, yeah, I'm going to mash those taters, we're going to scramble those eggs, we're going to fry that bacon, come on somebody, say amen, so here we are, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, because I can tell you right there that David knew what it was like to be surrounded by enemies on every side. And now I'm going to show you what Paul had to say. And if you're familiar with Paul, he was very well acquainted with what it was like to have enemies on every side. But here we are, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Hallelujah. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. No, uh, we get knocked down. But we are not destroyed. And so King David in the Old Testament, he said, man, I know I've got dogs closing in on me. I've got the bulls circling around trying to come in right now and take me down. David was surrounded by enemies. I've been surrounded and you've been surrounded. And then here we have Paul in the New Testament. And he says, oh, yeah, it's coming in from every angle right now, man. It's coming from the top, the bottom, the north, south, east. It's coming. But I want to show you Paul's attitude and Paul's outlook on this situation because he used this beautiful word several times in here, the but word, B-U-T. No, no, no let me show you. Uh, Paul says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. Yeah, I like that. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And so every, he's like, he didn't deny it. He's like, oh yeah, man. Yeah. Absolutely. We're, we're, we got stuff coming in from every side, but we're not abandoned by God. It may be coming in from this way, but we are not crushed, but we are not driven to despair, but we are never abandoned by God. We are not destroyed. And so, what a lot of Christians get to realize is they're saying, but God, in the wrong way. They get troubles coming in, but God, it's not fair. I paid my tithes this week. I thought I paid this off. I, I, but God, I was nice when he was mean and he was still mean back. But God, 
But God, it ain't fair, but God. <laughs> but God, why? And that's what so many people are saying. But you need to be like Paul and say, oh, the trouble came in. But God said, no, I am never abandoned. The trouble may come in this way. But my God said he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And so how are you saying, but God, are you throwing a, a, a little tantrum like a three year old or are you yelling at the devil? You came at me, but God is on my side. If God is for me, who could ever be against me? Can I get an amen in church tonight? So how is your response? What is your outlook? And I want to show you how David said it. Psalm 56. I should have just kept you there, but flip back to Psalms. Psalm 56 verses eight and nine. Because David, he knew that God was on his side. I mean, come on, he, this is the guy that, that beat the giant. This is the guy that when, when everything was stacked against him, he overcame it because of God. Saul said, he's a giant. And David said, but God's bigger. Well, he knows how, he's got a sword. But I've got five rocks and I've got God. And, and, and Saul said, but you're a teenager. But God's been around since the beginning of the world. But God is on my side. And so Psalm 56, Psalm 56, verses 8 and 9. Here's what David said. He said, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Verse 9, though, my enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know God is on my side. If that is your outlook, I'm telling you now, you are going to be okay. And, you know, I'm not just saying you, you read that verse and get a little goosebump. I'm saying when you get it in your heart, man, yeah, I, I get it that, that all this stuff has happened. But this I know, God's on my side. I can't possibly lose. Now, if God was playing for the other team, if God was against me, I, I wouldn't stand a chance. But that's not the case. God is on my side. I'm going to win. So are you looking around saying, I, I, I get all that. Yeah, sure. God's on my side. That sounds great. But on this side, I've got this. And on this side, and I'm surrounded over here. There's a whole bunch of them here. And back behind here, they're closing in on me too. And, 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 and I'm surrounded. I know God's on my side. I get that. But, but seriously, it's getting bad right now. I know a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people, that, that when they're in the midst of the storm, when they've got things closing in, you can, you can come up with a great dynamite verse like this. I, I know. And, and believe me, I believe it. But I'm telling you right now, it's getting bad. And it's bad, but it's getting worse. And, and yeah, of course I believe that. But did you know that they called me from over here? And did you know that this happened over here? And my kids over here? And, and, and then they, they rattle off ten things the devil's doing. And then wonder why they never have an attitude of faith. And then wonder why they're depressed every day. And then wonder why nothing just seems to ever go right. You give the devil ten times more credit than you give to God. You just sit there and basically sing his praises. I would never do that. Well, the way the devil wants to be praised is for people to talk about how bad he is. So you, you tell God how good he is for 30 minutes in church. Then the rest of the week, you man, he's bad. Oh, he's a bad dude, man. He's bad. He, I tell you, he hit me from over here. My marriage, my kids, my, my, my dog, my car. And, and you're just, and what you're singing the praises to the devil. That's what he's like. Oh, yes. Yes. Keep it coming. 
You know, I had someone a month ago that did just a real knucklehead, stupid thing, and then called me, man, the devil's after me. I said, well, tell me a little bit more about how bad the devil's after you this week, brother. And, well, this, this, uh, uh, okay, that sounds bad. So how did this situation, then he told me the details of the situation. I'm like, shut up. Quit giving the devil the, the you're, you're giving the, I'm sure he would love the credit. He would love the glory and the honor that you're bestowing upon him. But listen, the devil didn't do that. You did that. Thank you for your thunder. Yes. <clears throat> Because sometimes you're in the storm, and as much as the devil would like to sweep in and take the credit, yes, I did this to you, that didn't happen here. This brother brought the, he, he brought a storm into his life, and the devil didn't do it, and God didn't send it. He conjured this whole thing up all on his own by disobeying the word of God in several areas, and then wanted to say the devil's out. The devil's not after you. You're after yourself. I'm rebuking the devil. Well, don't. Rebuke yourself. Tell yourself to stop in the name of Jesus. And, and there's just times where it's like that. Um, and, and, you know, praise, you know, I'm surrounded. Yes, you're surrounded by stupidity sometimes. And I've, sur- I've been there, man. I've brought storms into my life where I wanted to blame the devil. I wanted, well, God, where were you? And he's like, where were you, man? You're out there in left field kicking daisies and wondering what, seriously, ex- what's your viewpoint? What's your outlook? You give them the blame of the devil. It wasn't the devil. And sometimes it is. A whole lot of the time it is. But there's sometimes where you just decide to do something dumb and then you're blaming the devil or blaming God and they had nothing to do with it. Examine yourself. And so, yes, we can be surrounded on every side. But the good news is there's a way out. There is always a way out because 1 Corinthians 10:13 says that no temptation or trouble has overtaken you except that which is common to man. So what, what does that mean? Well, the New Living Translation says, the troubles and testings and temptations you face, they're no different than what everybody else faces. But God is faithful. There's a but God verse. But God is faithful. He always leaves, a, he always creates a pathway. You may be surrounded on every side, but God will see to it that there is a way out. There's a way right through there, but you've got to be submitted to him. Amen? Come on. And so, what's your outlook? Are you surrounded by enemies on every side? Or, let, or, or let's get to the good part here. Number two, do you see yourself as being surrounded by God? I mean, come on, somebody. Do you see yourself as being surrounded by God or by trouble? Where are we? Are you surrounded by troubles on every side? Perplexed and abandoned? Forsaken? Or are you surrounded by God Almighty? Amen. Well, we're going to get there. Let me just read. I'm going to throw a few verses your way, and then you do what you want to with them. Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. You need to see this, man, because uh, I'm telling you, you're going to get excited when you get a hold of this, when you realize what you're really surrounded by. So Second Kings chapter six. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 17. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. And here's the story of Elisha and his little servant here. And Elisha was a prophet. And he, I mean, he saw, he saw into the spiritual world on a very regular basis. God used him in a, in phenomenal ways. And, and if you look at the, the miracles recorded through him, it, it's, it's astounding. 
But here we have an instance where Elisha, he he kept seeing what the enemy was going to do to Israel. And so he'd go tell the king, hey, they're going to be coming in from the north, just just so you guys know. So be prepared. And he he kept constantly telling him what the the army of Aram, what their next move was going to be. And so Israel was always one step ahead. Well, somebody tells the, the, the king of Aram, hey, listen. The reason they always know what you're going to do is because of this prophet up there. He keeps telling them every step you guys make. And so he's like, okay, easy. Kill the prophet. Then we're good to go. And so they're closing in. They want to kill Elisha and, and, so, and so they can take over Israel. And here's what happens. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside... There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And so can you imagine you wake up and on every side of your house, there's enemy. I mean, there's people with with guns. There's people on horses and chariots. That would really flip you out. There's people above head and hell. I mean, everywhere. You're like, we are surrounded on every single side. But look at what Elisha says. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there's more on our side than on theirs. You kidding me? No, there's not. There's two of us and 10,000 of them. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. What was that? That was The heavenly host, the Lord of battles, that was the army of heaven. And it's still real. They they didn't didn't cease to exist. That same army is just as real in 2019 as it was back then. It's always there. But what happened was that this young man, he couldn't see it. And so Elisha's like, what are you afraid? There's more on our side than on theirs. And he's like, no, there's not. There's two of us. And he says, God, just open his eyes. And if God would open your eyes for just two seconds tonight, and you could really see the angels that are on your side, if you could really see for just a minute tonight, if God would just open your eyes for just a minute, and you could see what all is surrounding you, who all is on your side, you would never be afraid of the army coming against you again. You would never be afraid of the enemy that's because you would realize who's on your side. Now, of course, it'd be nice for us to all see that, but you've got something even greater because we walk by faith, not by sight. There's more power in you believing in God and in that army without ever seeing it than for this young man that had to see it to believe it. If you can grasp this word of God, if you could take these scriptures that we just read and say, you know what, that is right, because God's word, I don't even need this. It'd be nice to see it, but I don't even have to see it to know that it's real. If you could get that type of faith in your heart to say, I believe that I'm surrounded on every single side by the army of God, that I'm surrounded by horses and chariots of fire on every single side. Watch out, because you're going someplace. And nothing can stop you if you'll get that in your heart. 
This guy had to see it for him to believe it. And that, sure, that'd be nice. I, I would love to see it, but I don't have to see it. I'm fine without seeing it because I know that it's real because God's word says it's real. Don't be one of those. Don't, don't be a Thomas. Don't be someone that's like, man, if I could just see Jesus one time. I, of course, I'd love to see Jesus. on. That would be great. But it's never happened to me yet. And if it never does happen, that's not going to change my belief. I'm not going to believe in him more because I see him than what I believe in him right now. And that may be hard to wrap your mind around. But listen, faith is believing without seeing. If you've got to see him to really believe that he's real, you don't have faith. You need to be able to say, Jesus, I, I can, I, if I never see you on this earth, I know that I'll see you one day in heaven. And that's fine because you will see him there. Absolutely. But for right now, it's okay. I don't have to see you to believe you. You've already done enough in my life that I'm fine, man. I'm good. I believe that you and your word is true. And I'm good to go with just that alone. That's where you need to be. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so you may feel like you're surrounded tonight by the enemy. But guess what? No, you're surrounded by God on every side. It may, it may seem like you're surrounded but it's because you're surrounded by him. And there's a song that I love. It's called Surrounded. And some of the lyrics say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That feeling of being surrounded, man, that, that's not the enemy. That's God that's on your side. And if God is for you, who can be against you? You need to change your perspective tonight. Another verse that I love, I'm not flipping there, but Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, I can tell you what a lot of people's problems are. They think some really messy things about themselves. And so, so they are. They see them as a, man, you're, you're weak. You're a loser. You're, you're, you're nothing. As a man, as a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. You have got to immediately Start changing the way that you're thinking about yourself in your heart, because that is eventually what you will become. And a lot of, oh, you see yourself, that's, yeah, I know, I, I, I'm in church now, but I, I, I know what I did. I was there. I'm the guy that did. I'm the girl that made those mistakes. You better bury that stuff. You better bury that junk now and never return to it. Because the way that you see your, the way that you are thinking you're going to let that dominate you, and, you're, and that's what you're going to become. I'm telling you right now, you need to change the way that you're thinking about yourself. I want to look at Isaiah 26, if we could. Isaiah 26. You need to not see yourself as surrounded by enemies. You need to see yourself as surrounded by the army of God. Can I get an amen on that? You need to see yourself surrounded by the angels of God. If you see yourself that way, you're going to hold your head high into every room that you walk into. You're not going to, you're not going to be timid. You're not going to be afraid. If you had the realization that you're surrounded by an army of angels and, and horses and chariots of fire, would you walk into a room? Man, I, I'm, I don't even deserve to be here. Man, I'd walk in there like I owned the place everywhere I went. I would never let the shame and the mistakes of the, I would walk into every place with such confidence, they would think that I'm the CEO. I've never even been there before. You own Jack of the Box? Maybe. You don't know. 
I mean, come on. You would walk around with such a confidence. It wouldn't matter what people said about you anymore. It wouldn't matter what people thought about you anymore if you realized, hey, I'm surrounded, man. On every angle, I'm surrounded. That's how you have to see yourself. Imagine, you know, I, I often say this because if that's too hard for you, imagine that everywhere you go, you've got a personal bodyguard. And his name's Chuck Norris. That was not the funny part. That was, that was the serious part of the sermon. But, but about everywhere you go, would you be afraid when the bullies come up and ask for your lunch money? I got Chuck Norris here, man. The man climbed Mount Everest in 15 minutes one time. 14 of which were spent building a snowman at the bottom. Come on. Somebody, all right. Somebody got it. Thank you. All right. Better just go on because I've got more of those. But just, Isaiah 26 and verse 1. And so you need to see yourself surrounded. And so Isaiah says, in that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. That's good news. We're, sur- we're strong, man. We're surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. I would rather be surrounded by the walls of God's salvation than, than walls of brick and mortar and, and, and razor wire and bomb. I would take the walls of God's salvation any day of the week. And so Isaiah says, everybody should be singing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Think about that. All four sides of you is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Do you think Satan knows how to get through the wall of salvation? Not a chance. Do you think your boss can just bulldoze his way through the wall of salvation? Just come in and rain on your day and make it all... Some of you are a little... Well, let me just say, no. Not even your boss can break through the wall of God's salvation. Can your neighbors break through it? Can the people that don't like you break through the walls of God's salvation? No. And I'm getting ready to tell you something very, very, uh, I mean, man, this is powerful. And I'm, I'm being serious. This is about the wall of salvation that surrounds you. Satan cannot break it. I'm going to tell you three things. And if you're smart, you'll write them down. But it's okay if you don't. Be like me and think that you'll remember it. Then go home and say, what did he just say? I'm talking about the wall of salvation. Number one, Satan cannot break it. Number two, God will not break it. Satan can't break it. God won't break it. And you must not break it. The only way that that wall is coming down is if you decide to leave the wall. You decide to leave the shadow of the Almighty. The only way that that wall is getting penetrated is if you just decide to open the door for the devil and come on in. But I'm telling you, You're surrounded, like Isaiah said, by the walls of God's salvation. Satan can't break through it. God won't tear it down. And you must not ever tear it down. You're surrounded. I feel like I'm surrounded right now. Absolutely I'm surrounded right now. But it's not the enemy that I feel. It's God surrounding me on every single side. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. So we're surrounded on every side by the walls of God's salvation. Verse 3 says... You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Man, I could read that verse just about every single day, and I'll never get tired of that. Because I don't know about you, 
but I like to have peace in my life. If you, now, the peace may not mean that much to you if you've never had anything happen to you, but I'm telling you right now, if you've ever lived for even five minutes without the peace of God, you know how nice it is to have the peace of God in your life. And there's a promise right here. It says, you will keep, not just peace, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. That's a beautiful promise right there. Just think about it. Perfect peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Well, I'd like to have that. I don't have it. The only way that you don't have perfect peace in your life is if your thoughts and your mind is not fixed on God. Well, I resent that remark. Resent it. But I'm telling you right now, it just said right there, he will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. The only possible way that you don't have perfect peace is if your thoughts aren't fixed on God. Try me. I dare you. Seriously. Think about nothing but God over the next week and see how depressed you become. Seriously. I challenge you, man. Fix your thoughts. All the, and it's a, I'm t- it would be a challenge. It would be hard because we live in this world. But I guarantee you, if your mind and your heart and your thoughts stayed on God, you'd be in perfect peace all week long. There wouldn't be one second of anything but peace. The only way that you do not have perfect peace is if your thoughts aren't fixed on God. And I'm telling you, it's a, that's, that's the absolute truth, whether you want to believe it or not. First of all, it's God's word. And second, I can attest to that right now. The only times that I don't have peace is when my mind wanders away from being stayed upon God. But when I stay plugged into God's word, when that's the very first thing, and I promise you it is, I don't do anything else before I open the Bible in the morning. I don't check the weather. I don't check my emails, my bank account, what anybody said. Nobody gets the first seconds except for God. And I'm telling you right now, if you would plug yourself into God's word, if you would just saturate yourself, wash yourself with the word, as Ephesians says, if you would fix your mind and your thoughts on that, you will have perfect peace. I'll guarantee it. I'll stake everything I own on it, that if you would fix your thoughts on God, you would live in perfect peace. Now, it's it's easier said than done, but I'm telling you, it works. It's the absolute truth. And if you're sitting there, man, I... Telling you what, I'm, I'm, I'm never happy. I'm never, I, I've got all sorts of stuff going on. Listen, I didn't say that if your thoughts are fixed on God, you wouldn't have all sorts of stuff going on. But I did say you'd be in perfect peace. This stuff still happens in this life. But if your thoughts are fixed on God, he said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. He said it, and I believe it because God does not lie. And so don't sit there, I, I tried that. I tried it. My thoughts are fixed on God, and I still don't have perfect peace. Then no, they are not. Right? People come up to me and say, man, I, James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. I tried that, and he didn't flee. Well, then, no, you didn't. That sounds so mean. But I'm not going to, I would not dare say, God, your word's not true. It said that if I did this, then somewhere along the way, I fouled it up. Somewhere along the way, I didn't do it right or something. But there's no way that if I'm submitted to God, truly submitted, not by my own definition of submission, but by His, because some people, I'm submitted to God. Hey, you! 
you know, cuss that guy out. Hey, you! You know, and then go, I'm submitted to God. Of course I am. I'm very submitted. Absolutely. Hey, let me tell you what I think about you. I'm submitted to God. Then you wonder why you resist the devil and he laughs at you and then, you know, pokes you in the eyes and steals your lunch bag and pops it and throws it back out. Come on. Listen to me. Come on. I'm being serious right now. It's time for us to realize, well, if I'm surrounded, then why is all this going? Listen to me. Submission to God is a big deal. Our thoughts being fixed on God is a really big deal. And you have the guarantee of God's word that if our thoughts are fixed on him, if I am really honestly submitted to God, not by my definition, but by his definition, the devil has to flee. I have to have perfect peace and all things have to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's say amen right there. Come on. And so Isaiah 33, 21, this will kind of be uh, my last verse. Isaiah 33, verse 21, unless some other great verse pops into my mind, and then, hey, we'll go with that too. Isaiah 33, verse 21, because I am down with God building a wall around me. I'm so for that, that I, I want that wall of salvation surrounding me on every single side. But you know what's great to have along with your wall? A river, a river, yeah, that, thank you, yes. Not only do I want a wall, I want a river surrounding me. Well, why do you want that? Because God said I could have it. What's up? God said that he built a wall of salvation, but come on, nobody wants a wall without a river right by that wall. And so here we are, Isaiah 33 and verse 21, and it says this, The Lord will be our mighty one. He will be like a wide river of protection that no enemy can cross, that no enemy ship can sail upon. You may want to try to get to my wall, but you're not going to get there because your boat can't make it across the river of God that surrounds the wall that surrounds me. You can't get to me. It can't happen. I'm surrounded on every single side. I've got a wall around me. Then I've got the river of God Surrounding me, no enemy can cross it. No enemy ship can sail upon it. Now notice it says the Lord will be our mighty one. Not you shall be your mighty one. If you get enough education and you can make enough money, then you'll really, you're set, man. You're good to go. No, I'm telling you right now, I am not, I am not the mighty one. I am not my mighty one. I'm not nobody's mighty one. God needs to be the mighty one. Your job will be a mighty one, a river that surrounds you. Not going to work. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, they're great, good people. I'm sure they're awesome, but they were not called to be the river that surrounds you, that no enemy ship can sail upon, that no enemy can cross. The only thing that can be that river, the only thing that can be that wall is God himself The Lord will be our mighty one. And I'm telling you right now, he has gone to great lengths to surround us and protect us. One thing I think of is I'm thankful that God gave me all you guys. And that's I'm not being cheesy. This is a serious moment. I'm, I'm glad that God gave me a church family to surround me on every side. 
I'm glad that God made a way I could come into the house of God and worship. Because you're thinking, well, if God surrounded me, I don't see it. Well, look at yourself right now. You're surrounded right now by people that actually care about you. Whether you know it or not, whether you know their name or they know your name, I guarantee you, everybody in this room right now, I know every person in here personally, they care. You're surrounded just with that right there. By brothers and sisters, by the family of God. That's good, right? I mean, that's... I'll take that any day of the week. I like knowing that I've got people that got my back. And I do. And you do. We've got, we've got each other's backs. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's the truth. It's the truth, man. I, every week, you know, I, I see people that, you know, that, that they're going through something at church. I'm like, well, what can I do for you? It's okay. So and so already came over and took care of it. I'm like, there it is. There it is right there. You're surrounded by the family. And so I'm glad that God's provided me that. But to even just take it a step for the length that Jesus went through to surround me is when he paid it all and took the cross. He went the distance. He didn't back out. And we look at all that and, and we're like, yeah, man, I'm going to heaven. But And that's number one. But that is not the only thing that the cross provided. The cross provided for you to have peace on this earth, to have the joy of the Lord as your strength right here. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to crack a smile. You can do it now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to be made whole, to be healed, to have these things that we're talking about, to have the protection of God. When Jesus went that distance, oh, he made a way for you to have peace on earth right here, to have the, the river of God, the walls of salvation surrounding you right here in Barstow in June of 2019. The way has already been paved. It's all, it's all laid. All you've got to do is get in there and stay there and never leave because he that abides under the shadow of the Almighty. This I will say to the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. And that's a nice thing to be able to say, but when you can say it and it's not a lie, it's really the truth, well, that's a whole lot better. Just say, yeah, man, God is my refuge. He is my fortress. And I don't leave the fort. I stay there and I, I don't cross that river. I stay right where I'm supposed to be. And so what I'm just trying to, to lay out there for tonight as we kind of wind it down here is this. Quit seeing yourself as surrounded by troubles everywhere and enemies and bad people and people don't like me. Knock all that off. Say, you know what? I'm surrounded on every side by horses and chariots. If I got the army of God surrounding me you don't want to mess with them you don't want to try to get through that but on top of all that i'm surrounded by the army of god i'm surrounded by the river of god i've got the walls of god on all four sides of me you don't stand a chance at taking me down because i'm not leaving this spot right here i'm staying in the presence of god my thoughts are fixed on him i'm staying submitted to him and i'm walking in victory i overcome everything that comes against me because i'm surrounded Amen. Let's go ahead and close it down right there tonight. You are surrounded. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.